Well, over these summer months, we have a sub-theme going on right now related to our theme, our annual theme of abiding in Christ. And this, this sub-theme, you might call it, is about worship, about being worshipers as followers of Christ. And to help us understand a little bit more of what this means, we have recorded for us in the fifth chapter of Luke's gospel a miraculous catch of fish. So how does fishing teach us about worshiping God? Up until this story, Jesus' public ministry is just getting underway. Uh, He's starting out here in the northern region of Galilee in Israel. But even though things are just getting started, a lot has happened already. Jesus is teaching in the synagogues. He's driving out unclean spirits. He's healing the sick. And he's already drawing large crowds who want to hear what he has to say. And well, the scene here is at the lake where Simon and his crew are. And suddenly, Jesus climbs into Simon Peter's boat And he asks Simon to put out from shore a little bit because of this crowd that he wants to teach. And by putting out uh, from shore, uh, they can hear him better as as Jesus teaches them from from the boat. And this is not the first interaction Jesus has with, with Simon Peter here. Earlier we read that Jesus came to Simon's house, healed his mother in law, who was suffering from a high fever. Also in John's gospel, it tells us that Simon first met Jesus during the days of John the Baptist and his preaching ministry. So it's possible that, it's possible that prior to meeting Jesus, Simon Peter had been going out with his brother Andrew to go, go and hear uh, John the Baptist preach to go out and listen to him. And so Simon Peter's first impressions of of this Jesus and and who he is quite possibly were influenced by John the Baptist. And Luke, whose book we're in today, introduces John the Baptist in chapter 3. The purpose of John the Baptist's preaching and his baptizing was to what? To prepare the way of the Lord, make the path straight for the coming Lord, as he would say. He would say, repent, repent from your evil ways and stop doing things that offend God and instead bear fruit for God. And this is all in preparation for the coming of the Lord. John the Baptist taught that there was a strong moral component to who the Messiah is and to coming into relationship with him and and coming to, to know him. John the Baptist did not emphasize that the Messiah will be some great military leader, some great political leader, which, which is the mindset that a lot of the people had at the time, that this is what the, the coming Messiah was, was going to be. But rather, John made it clear to the people that the kingdom of this Messiah will be a different kind of kingdom. It'll be a kingdom built on righteousness, but righteousness in here, of the heart, on right behavior that is acceptable to God. He's not coming to defeat Rome. He's coming to defeat the sin that's in our hearts. And so it's very likely that Simon Peter had at least some of this influence from John prior to this this story we have here today, going into this interaction with Jesus. He had some of this in his mind from John the Baptist as Simon Peter interacts 
with Jesus here. So in verse 3, we have Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. Then verse 4 tells us, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water, let down your nets for a catch. But what's Simon's response to this? He says, well, master, we've been working all night. We've been working all night long, but we've caught nothing. Well, if, if you say so, okay, we'll, we'll head out and we'll let down our nets. Simon here seems to be thinking to himself that, well, Jesus' idea here to go fishing now in the middle of the day will be an even bigger waste of time than what just happened the night before where they caught nothing. I mean, if they didn't catch anything at night, then they're even less likely to catch anything during the day. And that's because, well, the scene here is at the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Tiberias. The fishermen who would fish here, they used nets to catch fish. And these were kind of bell-shaped nets or, or cone-shaped nets with lead weights around the edges. And they would also use kind of these little floaters too. Uh, and they put these around the edges of, of these nets. And the nets are thrown out into the water from the boat. And, and then the, the, the weights would, would bring the, the nets down, start to sink the nets down uh, in, into the water and, and kind of surround the fish. Right? And then there's this long cord, this long cord attached to the net that the fishermen would hold onto after, after they throw the net. And it kind of acts as a sort of drawstring so that they can, they can pull the, the, the whole net full of fish back towards them, you know, back in, into the boat. Also, the, the fishermen would usually do this at night. And this is what Simon was getting at here. And one of the reasons the fishermen would go out at night, especially for net fishing, is that certain types of fish would become, become more active at night. And so you can, you can set your nets, you can, you can get your nets all set up, and then you can kind of steer the boats in a way to, to kind of get the fish into an area or you know, into that, that or you can use lamps you can use lights to maybe attract the fish or you can just kind of control them, right, uh, using, uh, using the lights and, and the nets. And, and this is, there's just more, uh, a better chance of catching more fish this, when, when you do this at night. Another reason is that in, in hotter climates, in hotter climates like this, such as in, in, in Israel, during the day the fish stay at lower depths because the water's cooler down there. And so, of course, this makes it harder to catch them because they're, they're further down. But as, as the day ends and the, and the night comes upon, upon them, uh, the, the temperatures begin to cool off in the water and the fish start to come up a little bit more closer to the surface, of course, making it a little easier to catch them. But based on what has just happened here, in which Simon and his crew, were, were, they were out all night, this, these techniques don't always work, and it's, it's, it's not a guarantee for a good catch. 
Simon has been fishing for many years. He knows what he's doing. He knows, he knows how this works here. But still, out of respect for Jesus, he says, okay, if you say so, Master, I will I'll go and we'll head out and let down our nets again, even though it's in the middle of the day. <laughs> we also want to note here that Simon addresses Jesus here as Master, epistata in, in Greek, Again, perhaps going back to the teachings of John the Baptist here about Jesus and what what Simon perhaps has heard so far about Jesus kind of being this rabbi figure who's teaching the people and who's preaching, you know, maybe in the synagogues he's seen him, but he's preaching with this authority. So, well, uh, Simon calls him master. And uh, again, out of respect, Simon, you know, he's probably thinking here, well, you know, I don't know what's, what this, you know, what he's thinking here, but, you know, we just, we just, we'll just do what he says here, and, you know, Simon's thinking, well, I came, didn't come up with anything the night before, um, but we'll, we'll head out, and we will let down our nets, and so in, in the next verse, it says, uh, when they had done this, even though it might have been re- reluctantly, the fish started coming in, and it says, when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So this was uh, no ordinary catch. And so they had to signal their partners in the other boat, or two boats that went out, to come and help them. And then when they did this, they came and they filled both boats, both boats with fish, so that they began to sink both boats. This is a lot of fish in the middle of the day. (laughs) But what is Simon Peter's reaction to this, though? His reaction here is, is actually pretty fascinating. Simon sees what's going on here, but this miraculous catch of fish does not make him happy at all. You would think it would. Instead, it says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And it goes on to say, for he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. Simon Peter here is looking at what has just happened in a very different way. He's seeing this differently. Um, Fishing is Simon Peter's business. This is his livelihood. It's his everyday working routine. So I, I guess we would expect to see a little bit of a different reaction here from Simon, something at least a little more positive, right? Maybe even rejoicing over this amazing catch of fish, right? Like, this is fantastic. This is great. This, this is a big boost to my business. Thank you, Jesus. But that's not how he responds. We don't see any kind of enthusiasm like this expressed towards Jesus uh, from Simon. Instead, what does Simon do? He, he verbally pushes Jesus away. He pushes him away. Go away from me, Lord. Just, just depart from me. 
fear and trembling overcome Simon here. He falls at Jesus' feet saying, I'm a sinful man. Just go away. It is a bit puzzling how a miracle such as this, which seems to be a good thing, leads to this kind of reaction by Simon. I mean, all the miracles that Jesus does for people are beneficial to them in some way. It does good to them. It heals them. It it helps people get on with their lives so they can maybe live a more normal life. And they're usually very happy afterwards, praising God, thanking God, and everybody marvels, right? And this miracle itself, the miracle itself of this catch of fish doesn't seem any different in that way. Of being, it seems like something beneficial to Simon and his business, and this is his livelihood, right? But there's something else going on here for Simon. Yes, Simon was amazed, but he sees something more than Jesus just doing a big favor for him. It's more than Jesus just helping him out or helping his business to make up for the lost time and, and effort you know, the, night, the night before of coming up with nothing. In this moment, Simon Peter drops to his knees right at the feet of Jesus, kind of in this worshipful posture, but there's a lot running through his head right now. Simon Peter is beginning to realize in this moment who Jesus really is. And he's also beginning to realize who he is, Simon Peter, in this moment at the feet of Jesus of Jesus because only God can do something like this. Only God can work some miracle, some mighty work like this that Simon and the others have just witnessed. And Simon's a Jew and he knows that this is not the first time that God has done something like this. Right? We, we know that God has multiplied little creatures before, like fish, all the way to the point of being destructive. Right? You remember the stories? Remember back in, in, in the time of Moses, the plagues? Remember the great exodus? Right? What did God do? He multiplied little creatures like frogs and flies in Egypt and locusts to the point that they became destructive. They became a hazard. There are many, many of them. And here, this miraculous event that took place here in this boat on this lake is curiously similar to this, how this huge catch of fish, how all these fish get multiplied, and what happens? They start to sink. It's a cause for alarm. Simon's nets, all their nets start to break. It's jeopardizing their equipment. It's, It's even possibly their lives out there if they do in fact sink, right? So Simon's, Simon's starting to recognize some of these things. He's recognizing that he's in the presence of God. So how would we react if it, this starts to hit us? The power of God is being felt here. It's being felt here in this moment, right there in Jesus, who's standing there He's standing there, right there in this little fishing boat. You can also notice here that, that uh, at this point, Simon, when he, when he talks to Jesus, he switches 
from calling Jesus master with, earlier in the story to now Lord, Kyrie. Now certainly Kyrie, can, there's a lot of overlap with this term. It, it can be used as master, or earthly master, like how, he was, how Simon was using it before. There's definitely overlap in this term, but this title, Lord, Kyrie, is definitely used specifically to refer to God in, in the Old Testament. In any case, God is right here. God is right here in this moment. God in Jesus. God is right here with Simon Peter in his boat, and there is literally nowhere to run. He's stuck in this boat. God's got him. And this is a very frightening discovery for Simon, as we see. What does it do? It, it drops him to his knees in trembling, in fear. Simon is overcome with the fear of God, holding while holding this posture of worship and deference towards him. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us, who Jesus was declared to be from long ago by the prophets of long ago. Jesus was to be the Emmanuel, the, the God with us. And here it is. It's happening right here, Emmanuel, right here in this little fishing boat. God with us. And the thing is, Emmanuel can actually be a, a terrifying experience. It can be a frightening experience, as we're seeing here. When a holy and righteous God comes to be with his creation that has turned its back on him, that has abandoned him, has rebelled against him, Can be a scary thing when God comes to be with his creation. And in that sense, maybe it's not something to celebrate. And in that sense, maybe we can start to see why Simon's reacting this way. It can be something that scares us. It causes us to crumble in fear when a holy and a righteous God comes near to us. And like Simon Peter, we too begin to recognize who we really are in God's presence, in the presence of this holy God. And we begin to wonder and we begin to ask, well, well then what does this God really think of me? What does this God think of me if he's holy and I'm not? And then answering, trying to answer this question can frighten us because we, we realize we don't measure up. The presence and power of God brings our sin to remembrance. That's what's happening here for Simon. And, and we remember that, that we've sinned against God. We can't change the past. And, and as a result, our reaction is to push God away, to get away, get away from him. That's our knee-jerk reaction. And this may help, help us explain why Peter, Simon Peter's reacting the way he is here. And, and you know, Simon being this God-fearing Jew, he knows that where there is sin, God has the right to immediately destroy and punish. He knows that. So it drops him to his knees right before Jesus. 
And by telling Jesus to go away, he, Simon Peter is also telling him, I'm not worthy to be one of your followers. I'm not ready. I'm not good enough for that. Simon's disqualifying himself from being part of what Jesus is all about due to Simon's lack of, lack of moral competence, you might say, at least in his eyes. And, and right here, right here, we might also be seeing again the influence of John the Baptist. John the Baptist would say what? Get ready. Get yourselves ready. Prepare. Prepare for the Lord. He's coming. Repent. Get ready. Change your ways. And then here in this moment, Simon realizes, I'm not ready. I didn't make it. I'm, I'm a sinful man. Just, just go away. I, I, can't, I can't be one of your guys. So the end product here is that Simon Peter is not happy about Emmanuel, God with him, in this, in this moment. He sees no cause for celebration at all. Rather, he would just prefer that God just, Jesus just kind of go back and do his ministry, go do his thing, and Simon will just go do his thing. Just leave me alone and let me go fish. And, you know, that's what I can do. I'm good at that. And we'll just leave it at that. But does Jesus leave it at that? No way. No. What is, what is Jesus' response here to Simon? He says here in verse 10, <clears throat> then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. Do not be afraid, Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Things are different with Jesus. Jesus tells us what? Don't be afraid. We don't have to be afraid because Simon was overcome with fear. Instead of casting Simon away from his presence for Simon's moral incompetence, we might say, for not having the qualifications, no, instead Jesus welcomes him. He accepts him and tells him, no, from now on, you're going to be very involved. You're going to be very much involved. You're going to keep fishing, but you're going to be fishing in a different kind of way. And this is the exact opposite of what really could have happened. Instead of being banished, cast away as a sinful person, away from God, away from a holy God, no, instead Jesus goes the opposite direction, brings him in, brings him closer to him and says, no, you're, you're going to very much be a part of what I'm about. He's gonna put, Simon's going to participate more than ever before in what the Emmanuel God is doing. The God who has come to be among his people, God in Jesus, has come to draw the people closer to him, not to drive them away in disgrace. Simon's not going to be left out and disqualified, but rather become fully involved in building God's kingdom. And the thing is, Simon falling to his knees and admitting that he's a sinful man is actually the very thing that qualifies him to become a follower of Jesus, to be a part of his ministry, to enter into this abiding relationship with Jesus. 
It's, it's because of Simon Peter's contrite heart here, his, his repentant heart, his confessing heart that drops him to his knees and, and puts him into this worshipful posture before Jesus. This actually brings him closer to Jesus rather than separating himself from Jesus. It actually enables Simon to be a part of who Jesus is. And so, what does Simon Peter discover here at the feet of Jesus? In this moment here, what, what, does, what does Simon Peter find when he's at the feet of Jesus? On the one hand, he's, he's finding out more of who God is, and he's also finding out who he is. God is holy and righteous, and he's a sinner. God is, is powerful. He's, he's present here, Emmanuel, in Jesus. Simon Peter's finding out that God is welcoming. He's, he's forgiving. He's merciful, compassionate, full of grace. And here Simon is, is being reminded of, of how sinful he is, but that this God still welcomes him and still accepts him. Finally, the last verse of this text reads that when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Let's make it clear here that after what has just happened here, this interaction that has just happened here for Simon. Let's make it clear how this story ends. It ends with Simon not separated, not having, not Jesus having departed from him, which is what he originally wanted. That's not how it ends. Rather, it ends with Simon Peter with Jesus. He's continuing on with Jesus, following him. Remember, it was Simon Peter who said, go away from me. Go away, but no, Jesus, Jesus didn't want it that way. Simon was trying to push him away. He was trying to separate himself from Jesus, but rather Jesus says, no, you come with me. You're welcomed, you're accepted. And so Simon Peter starts off on a new direction that would change his life forever. He embarks on this new and different kind of fishing expedition for God's kingdom fishing for people now. And here it's early in Jesus' ministry and we're already seeing this vision that Jesus has. We're seeing that we're getting a little glimpse of it, this vision Jesus has for the church, for his followers, for his disciples of the kingdom. And this is what we've been talking about recently, right? Jesus' vision for his followers, for the church, our, our vision here at NTCAC about being disciple-making disciples, and here, when Jesus says, from now on, you will be catching people, he gives us a little glimpse into this vision he has. He's, cast, he's already casting this vision early on in his ministry. And then at the end of his ministry, he reiterates this in his final days. As he, uh, 
right before he returns to the Father. These are part of his last words, you might say, and what it's all about, whether that's in Acts 1-8 or whether that's in uh, Matthew 28 and, and the, the Great Commission or even at the tail end of this gospel, of Luke's gospel. These are all last, Jesus' last words in terms of this final vision that he's casting for the church and for his followers as to what are we to be busy with, what are we to be doing once Jesus leaves, once he returns to the Father and he's no longer in, in person with them. What, what are we to be doing? And that is to be bearing witness, right? Go into the nations, make disciples, proclaim the gospel, make him known everywhere. And Jesus here in this passage is already making this vision known. And how does God design it? How does he design it so that his vision will be fulfilled? By making use of people like you and me. Represented here by Simon Peter, who at the feet of Jesus, he becomes very aware of his sinful condition, but also aware that he's forgiven, accepted by God, and invited to follow him follow Jesus. And this is confirmed by the words, don't be afraid, Simon. You don't have to be afraid. Aren't these encouraging words to hear? Aren't these words of comfort from Jesus in this kind of moment, in a moment of fear, in a moment where we realize who we really are and who God really is, to hear these comforting and encouraging words from Jesus, saying, don't be afraid, come. Come and be with me. You know, every time I read this story about this miraculous catch of fish, I always wonder, what happened to all the fish? <laughs> Did you ever think about that? <laughs> so they, they caught all this fish, right? Remember, it went into their boats both boats, so much so that it started sinking both boats, okay? It's just that we're kind of left hanging as to, as, as to that part, right? What, what happened to all the fish afterwards? Did they, did they just put it, dump it back into the, the, the water, right? Because Jesus made his point already, right? Okay, we can just kind of dump the fish back. <laughs> or did they actually try to bring all that fish back to shore? You can kind of picture this, right? Um, they're trying to haul off all this fish, you know, onto the beach or onto the pier, right? And they just, what do they do? Just leave this heaping, enormous pile of flapping fish right there on the beach, right? And then they, they left everything and followed Jesus. So it's just, you know, like, see all these people looking at all this, this huge pile of fish and Peter and his guys are saying, okay, see you guys, we're, we're off to follow Jesus <laughs> with this, leaving this huge pile of fish behind. I don't know, it's, it's a pretty funny sight. But, well, whatever happened here, the gospel writers, as we see, are very selective into what they tell us and, and, and don't tell us. I wish Luke told us what happened to the fish. But it seems like what we need to know here, what, what, what we need to know here is that there, there's really a lot to discover at the feet of Jesus. There's a lot to discover about God, about, about ourselves, about Jesus himself. And, and sometimes it can be a frightening experience 
Emmanuel, God with us, can, can be a scary thing. But, but Jesus always comforts us. He accepts us, doesn't condemn us. He brings us into closer relationship, doesn't, doesn't send us away. Of, of course, sin separates us from Jesus. But when we come to the feet of Jesus in humble worship, like Simon Peter, with, with a confessing heart, then we find out that in Christ Jesus, we can actually be with the Emmanuel God. This God can actually come into close relationship with sinful humanity, with us, with, with undeserving people. And in Christ, God meets us at our level. The sinner is accepted. And when we come to him, we change. We're changed from in here. It's not just about acknowledging Christ as our Savior. Yes, that's very important. Christ is our Savior, but it's also about following him and leaving our past behind, our old way of life behind, and committing our future to him. That's what Jesus was getting at here for Simon Peter. Commit your future to me. Come on, let's go. Forget about what lies behind, because that's what Peter was dwelling on, right? He was dwelling on the past, coming up with all the different ways that he's a sinful person, all the things he's done wrong, and, be, and he, that's what was getting in the way. But Jesus was looking in the other direction. He was looking at the future, Peter's future. Come with me, let's head that way. And God wants us to commit our future to him in the same way. And if this is what we get, if this is all of this is what we get to experience in our lives right now, and this is what gives us purpose, purpose in our lives. If this is what we get to experience, if this is what it means to abide in Jesus, to abide in him and to remain in him, then how can we not share this with others, right? How can we not share this with others who, who also need to know who Jesus is, who don't know who Jesus is. So that we can experience God's amazing love and share it with others and let it shine, let it shine in this world. Let's close in prayer. Gracious God, we, we thank you so much for who you are.